McFadden, and I'm listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And we have a special guest in the studio this week. Uh, he's been on the show before, a good friend of mine, and he has to be here for this one because he's just a big Trekkie. Mr. Ryan Donahoe. Ryan, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I like how uh, you sang to me. That was, that was very nice of you. Thank you. We have a special episode for you today. Gates McFadden, Dr. Beverly Crusher herself, we got to talk to. And boy, oh boy, that was a lot of fun. You know, some of these conversations with uh, people like this can be a gamble. Sometimes they're amazing, sometimes they're eh. And sometimes you're like, why am I doing this? (laughs) This was a really good one. (laughs) I thoroughly enjoyed this. She was so nice. Uh, accommodating, just wanting to talk to us. She was just about uh, as curious about us as we were her. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I, I believe happy birthday's in order because Jack and Jeremy, we're, we're seven now. This is That's the birthday true. episode. Yep. Yeah, it is. Oh. Happy seventh birthday. Happy birthday, guys. Yeah, yeah, seven years of canned air. What a great you can f- <laughs> And on with the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Canned Hair Pod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. If you like what we're doing, want to show some support, head over to patreon.com forward slash Canned Air Pod. $5 a month gets you access to the Canned Air Patreon Pod and other goodies. Uh, speaking of which, I think we need to mail some stuff out, don't we? I, I was seeing yep, a I, few addresses on the Patreon page and people who are... Are they updating them? Because I know they weren't. There were just two. I okay. mean, if they don't update, that, that we can't do anything yeah, about I it. Yeah, I sent a message to all you to guys. To those who did. Yeah. we got to get that out. And if you are in need of professional representation, our friend Mr. Steve Joyner would love to help you out at 816 605 Four five six one. Does he have a web presence or something we could uh, put uh, on here too? Sjnetwork.com. Uh, that's that's the actual URL. Yeah, it's linked okay. to our website. Okay, so go to our website. All these things we preach to you, people. Just go to CandarePodcast.com. Mm-hmm. There's a little button for every one of these things. We've we got the it. answers on there. We got the answers. You find an answer that you can't get answered. <laughs> if you have a question that you can't get answered. Send us a message and say he's as hey. sure-footed as a mountain goat, That's ladies it. and gentlemen. <laughs> all right, and with that all behind us, let's cut right to our interview with Gates McFadden. Gates, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. It's truly an honor to welcome you to the show. Well, I am a Buckeye, so I, I had to be here for you guys, you know? Buckeyes forever. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah that was the first thing <laughs> on the list here. Born in uh, Cuyahoga Falls. Did you grow up most of your life in Ohio? I did. I grew up until I went off to college. Uh, in uh, First it was Cuyahoga Falls, and then uh, we moved to just a few miles away to Silver Lake, which made it so that I could walk to school safely and uh, my mother could work, you know, and... Uh, it was a safe place. We could just, in the summer, we could just go down and swim pretty much all day when we were done with our chores. You know, so it, it kind of worked right. out. They had, a, they had a really good school, and that was, that was why they wanted us to move there. But uh, I stayed in Ohio, went to high school in Ohio, and then yeah. off to college. And that, that was the last I lived in Ohio. And what was the name of your high school? Just curious. Well, it doesn't exist anymore. It oh, was no. they, it exists now. It, it was called Old Trail. It was an all-girls school, very small, 
college preparatory, um, and it was in uh, Fairlawn. And they decided it used to be all the, like, primary school and then high school. And then they just, because they just made a decision to um, stop the high school, and they did. Uh, I, I, uh, I had incredible instruction. Like, I had 18 students in my class, <laughs> so it was pretty amazing. But I think it was just too expensive to maintain all the the faculty and everything with, with that small of a student body. So right. sure. it was either going to be that or Our Lady of the Elms. And, and um, at that time, I thought, yeah, I don't want to wear a uniform. So Yeah, uh, <laughs> understandable. Who would? <laughs> Although I ended up being the Catholic scholarship student there at the time. I think uh, everyone else, uh, there, were, there, were, there were two scholarship students in my class. One was Jewish and, and one was Catholic. That was me. It was pretty funny. But it was a really quite an interesting experience for me growing up. I can imagine. I guess I can't imagine, no. But, no. I mean, I, I imagine it would be crazy. Well, I love Ohio. I mean, I think it's a really beautiful state. And uh, I just wish that it could get a little bit more politically savvy, uh, in my opinion. But uh, I, I think people from Ohio are so friendly, and we've had so many people who were presidents from Ohio and That's things true. like that. I think it's a very interesting state. There's lots of uh, universities, and uh, but we've sort of, I don't know, it's changed from way back when. And uh, I think we need to to push those, per, you know, just a little more progressive I would have to um, agree with that. Mm-hmm. Politics. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. You When you're in uh, Columbus, it seems like, typically anywhere you go, not that you don't see your Trump signs here and there, but for the most part, it's uh, Biden-Harris signs. And the second you drive out of town right. into the country, buddy, it's a uh, yeah. yep. <laughs> hard change in landscape. <laughs> and, uh, not even five minutes. Not even no, five, it's not, no. <laughs> you crest yeah, no, outside it's, the city It's limits. always been fascinating for me. And, and, you know, what's so sad is about how the industry, well, I remember as a little girl going into Cleveland, and it was like going to Disneyland. It was such a vibrant city, and they had, you know, I mean, we would just go to look at the stores and the Christmas decorations, and it just, it seemed magical, you know? And then when the industry just, the the tire industry, so many industries just started to disappear, steal, and it was, it became like a ghost town. It was really sad. And uh, I also, I I taught at University of Pittsburgh, and in that whole tri-state area, that was another city but it went through an amazing renaissance, and um, I I love Pittsburgh. I think it's a really cool city. But yeah, Ohio is tricky that way. People who aren't familiar with cities or whatever, they they can get very. Uh, I don't know where that comes from. I really don't because yeah. Ohio was not always that way. I think it has to do with just the economy, perhaps. I just think sometimes too. I mean, not this isn't the case for everybody, but um, I think. Anymore, an election is kind of like a football game. You know, sometimes there are people who are just going to root for who they think their side is, rather than, you know, yeah. without listening, without mm-hmm. stopping to say, should I be? You know, it's just like my side has to win. That's who I'm going to root for. We're going to win this one. Yeah. Well, we are. It, it, it's crazy. I think the part that gets me is that both parties, we spend a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, so many millions. Oh, yeah. Probably a billions on political campaigns that last for years mm-hmm. and most other countries have like a, a five week six week you know two month campaign period and that's it you can't campaign otherwise because they have a, it's a, a often it's such a different system but it's we could we could have fixed 
almost all of our educational problems and medical, and we could have paid for everybody's health care if yeah. we had had not had just a two-party system and spend all this money on elections. I think that's what's really upsetting to me. Um, I would agree. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's absurd, and I think that we get so into, no, it's got to be my candidate, my candidate. And we, instead, we should all be going, wait a minute, let's stop campaigning for so long, and let's, you know, take some of that money and put it towards things that are going to make us all feel better. You know, yeah. that would be so terrific. That's how you get elected president. Donate all of your campaign money to charity. I guarantee somebody's going to elect you after yeah. that, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a so crazy. So how many of you are Trekkies? I'd say Ryan here has got to be the absolute biggest. Uh, I've known Ryan since uh, we met in kindergarten, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are now looking down the barrel of 40. But, uh, yeah, as long as I've known Ryan, Star Trek fan. And I I know a little bit about it. I think Jack would probably be second here. I'd probably say I'm more of a Trekker versus a Trekkie. Oh, I wasn't meaning a Trekkie or Trekker. (laughs) Anyone who watches the show, kind of, if you like the show, you know. Right. Yeah. I didn't mean like okay. a crazy fan. I don't. In fact, I don't think we have crazy fans. I, I think that's something that was in a time when no shows were on and computers. You know, I remember when we were filming our show just in that first season. I remember going into Jules Urbach, who's now this incredible. He's, he was a genius then. He was a friend of Rod Roddenberry's, and he uh, was so into computers and developed all these games for Sony when he was 17 years old. Wow. He was just so smart, and he. he I, I went to visit with Rod one day, Jules's house, and I had never seen a room like that. And that's where the geek thing came from. It was a room that was totally dark. He had floor-to-ceiling machinery. You know, it was all these computers. And it was it was just remarkable, and I, I was like, well, no wonder when some of the fans come up and see us, they can hardly see because they've been in these dark rooms playing video games or something. <laughs> I mean, it made sense to me, so you know. Right. And and I don't think they were so weird at all. It was just that they were finally coming out into daylight um, because we have just fantastic fans, and mm-hmm. they're all kinds of jobs and and things in their lives. I mean, I, I have surgeons who are fans and astronauts and astrophysicists and yes we have people who watch tv i mean when we when you binge something on tv and you see that person in the in real life it's no matter what show it is it's going to be a weird experience but a wonderful experience you know it's uh, it's just the way it is unless it's henry winkler i can contest for that (laughs) that was not a fun experience but uh, (laughs) but you're right the fan base for star trek is uh it's like it reminds me like the ghostbusters or something like that just a very good group of people or the power rangers you know just a very focused uh i don't know what the words what the word very passionate thank Mm -hmm. you randy thank you except that i think that star trek fans were really the ones who were the most organized and really started doing these conventions they were before power rangers or anything oh yeah i think what yeah and what i also feel strongly about is that most people are really into the future and into being tolerant and all kinds of things and making the world a better place and, and using your imagination and hoping that there is life besides life on Earth. I think yeah. that's we, we have people who who think in those terms. It's not just about being entertained, but they really love to think about the possibilities of science and technology and adventure all b- blended together. And as we all know, uh, you know, the first series had something like a cell phone that Kirk was talking into, and now we all have cell phones. I mean, so many of the 
Yeah, if iPads, uh, Dr. Crusher had something resembling an iPad that she mm-hmm. walked around with all the time. And they have developed a medical tricorder. I was it has happened. To say that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so, I think it's, it's really, there's a lot of that. And I think that's partly the difference between Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans. Because I think they're both entertaining, but one of them is a lot more science and technology and, and actually how, how do we imagine life is really going to be living on a ship and you have families on a ship and you have this, you know. And I think that's a very different sort of thing. I would agree. And it's almost irritating when people try to compare the two things. Because right. it's like, it's, it's, they're so not different. the yeah. same it's thing totally at different. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally yeah, know what you mean. Yeah, and they're both wonderful. Sure. They're mm-hmm. both wonderful. It's not like one doesn't have to be better than the other, but they exactly. are different. And it's funny because, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the scientists or the astrophysicists, the people you were speaking of earlier, they probably, some of them probably are in the fields they are just because they grew up on Star Trek. It challenged their yeah. mind in that way to go, you know, have such a career. It's, it's incredible. Absolutely. You, we, we, all of us, have had countless people who come up to us and say, I grew up watching you, and I became this because of your character. I mean, every single one of us. And we know that we were role models, and that's fantastic because I think young people in particular desperately need role models. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it's, um, it's a wonderful thing if you can provide that. And then, uh, like, you know, I've told this at conventions, but I had an, uh, one of the astronauts, the commander of the space shuttle, he got me this NASA clearance, and we were emailing. He was on the space station, <laughs> and it's because he said, I have a kind of a Picard <laughs> um, fantasy going, and so you're a crusher, so I, I wanted to email you, <laughs> and I said, let's do it. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> the reach of these characters, is that's, that's another thing. I mean, we've how many people have we talked to? on this show and there's just something about uh i don't know again going back to the star trek fandom it's there's so tripping over my own words here it's just something that ingrains like just a a thirst for wanting to be better and do better Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and be tolerant because the whole thing is everybody's so different you know we run into all these people and it's sort of like get over that you know it's not about what you look like it's about other things. It's about issues. It's about how you treat other people. It's about all kinds of things like that. And that's what really is fantastic. And also, the fact that Gene Rodmer said, and there's no money. I mean, how great is that? How mm-hmm. different would it be if, you know, we didn't have banks the way we do? And <laughs> it was just a different thing. We were living in a, where everyone, there were rules. There have to be some rules, but it was, it, you know, it's just something where people are, are learning how to uh, actually be tolerant and to compromise. It's almost like the ideal future that, you know, we're, we're trying to strive towards or should be at least. Hopefully. I mean, you yeah. wouldn't tell it looking out the window now, would you? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. No, that's why I think, though, it, it's so easy to be dystopian with what's going on. And believe me, I, I, I struggle with it like everyone else, but I, I, I have the feeling that's one of the reasons that our show was so popular was because, and I'm talking specifically Next Generation, and, uh, but others, and, and I think that was true with Voyager and, and uh, just others. It, it was a very positive show, you know, and Absolutely. as was the first show. But you really saw that, yeah, it could happen. You could have a, have a child in space who's now a teenager and who gets you into a warp bubble, you know. <laughs> this could happen. So many fans, so many fans did not like Wesley Crusher character when that first when he it first started airing 
because he kept saving the ship. But that's exactly, I know why Gene wrote that character. His son and his friends were all these genius techies <laughs> with computers. And they could do things so quickly. And now, 30-some years, 35 years later, the, the people understand, because uh, they're always asking their kid to help them fix their apps, you know. Um, right. It makes so much more sense now. <laughs> yeah, I was one really of those does. people that didn't like Wesley either. <laughs> and now it, now it, it's given me a whole nother light. Another um, perspective. Yeah, it does. It was <laughs> all you had to do yeah, is talk, I, I talk to him. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I ask my son all the time, you know, can you help me do this? This is acting up. He's like, Mom, just you just have to, you know, explore. <laughs> Press that. And I'm like, no, I might lose it. He's like, no, you're not going to lose it. Just, you know, I mean, and that's exactly what the Wesley Crusher, he was like, you know, he was doing that. So anyway, this might be a silly question, but with uh, Will Wheaton on set, you know, having played his mother and for so long, was there any like, uh, how would you word it, Ryan? Any like like a real mother? Daughter or mother son daughter son relationship. Yeah, it was like, a very mother daughter relationship. <laughs> <laughs> no. I always wanted to put ribbons in his hair, and we always argued about that. Don't tell him I said that, please. <laughs> no, he's my space son, and we are we're always on Twitter talking about that. He, no, we're close. You know, we, we we didn't have that many episodes that it became like that. But I just I had actually just respected his work as an actor when I had seen Stand By Me and thought he was just amazing oh, in yeah, that. That's right. And um, so he and I had the callback audition together. My callback was with him. And it was just easy as pie. I mean, we just, it, it just worked, you know. Yeah, I, I think the world of him and I, I love his wife and, and uh, it was easy. I, I, I have... I'm not going to say I have maternal feelings exactly, but but I, I I really have great respect for him, and I think I think he's just a fantastic adult. So there you go. Right, right. Didn't he do probably the, uh... due to all of my influence, right? There I'm probably there you go. It's all your fault. Great he turned out. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I would have to agree. Yeah, have to agree. Now uh, another question to throw your way really quick is: uh, rumor has it online that you could possibly be appearing in Picard. Is this anything you can... <laughs> I guess can... I've heard that rumor. <laughs> <laughs> Is it just that, guess, a rumor? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, first of all, nothing's filming. Uh, oh, so it's, sure. a, you know, and if I did know, I couldn't tell you. So yeah, it's right. kind of one of those situations. But I'd love for you to ponder it. I'm just pondering. ponder yeah, it. Yeah. Just keep pondering it. <laughs> and then maybe, you know. Right. It would be fun. Do you like the show? Have you been watching it? Oh, I love yeah. that show. It yeah, was it's a good show. Amazing. Yeah. It's a really good show, I think, yeah. too. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, another thing to touch on uh, Trek-wise was this, uh, I didn't even know this existed, the Star Trek Cruise, which kind of goes back to that awesome uh, fandom uh, that we were talking about earlier. But uh, I think it was rescheduled due to the pandemic for 2022. Is that correct? Yeah. And is going to be happening over your birthday. Uh, and let me see. Well, the, the, the other last year's was over my birthday too. <laughs> oh, was it really? But, um, yeah, it's really funny. My birthday's March second, and they always, you know, it seems to coincide. But um, oh, I, I was someone who just really never wanted to go on a cruise in my life, and uh, 
they actually have been very enjoyable, very fun. We get to do different things that we don't usually do, and all the fans are very nice and respectful, and uh, we all just get to hang out with each other, which is a blast, and uh, so that's that's kind of what that is. But I think we're all going to want to make sure that everything is, uh, you know, we've got vaccines and COVID safe before any of us get on board, I'm sure. Oh, sure. But I'm sure Absolutely. it will be. Makes See, sense. that might make my wife take a little bit different idea on Because she never wanted to take a cruise either. But then she saw that Star Trek cruise, and that might make her think might twice. But well, now the date says I mean, something I'm on, positive. I'm on um, anti-nausea stuff the whole time. So wow. I'm already lit before, <laughs> before I went next step on board. But, so it's very pleasant, you know. And... Uh, and, you know, I, I, you do different things. You know, you do different shows. I've uh, played Kirk several times, and uh, we do we redo old series. And, I've, and for some reason, I have no idea why, but uh, I always am playing Kirk. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just fun. And uh, people, like if I do a tap dance thing or something, there are people in sneakers doing it. It's not, not everything's very laid back is the point. So, and you can pick and choose, and uh, they, I think they do a really good job with those cruises. That sounds fun. Would you be willing to give us your best Captain Kirk impression? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Right. <laughs> okay, sorry, I just had to ask. I have to be informed. Okay. And besides, it's it's it, it's more the way I, I yeah I have to, I study I study his intonation and his movements and uh, it's really it, you know it's fun because he had very particular I'm I, I'm not as handsome as he is but but um, <laughs> he had very particular um, articulation and movements and right. uh, so we have a lot of fun obviously I exaggerate but. There you go. Yeah. Very cool. One one more thing I have to touch on really quick before we talk about uh, your show, Who Do You Think You Are, that's going to be on the uh, Nacelle Cast Studios, is that uh, I didn't know. You worked for the Jim Henson Company uh, on Labyrinth and uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, doing like director of like choreography and Muppet movement. What, what exactly uh, was your uh, role in these films? Well, uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, he had seen me in a show in New York called Cloud Nine written by Carol Churchill. And so I got an audition from Muppets Take Manhattan playing a secretary. And I didn't know that he'd already seen me do this three-character role. I mean, it was a big, big role on stage. So he acted like, you know, he'd never seen me before. But I think he had seen me do Cloud Nine. And I got the part. There was no one else. Like, you never go on an audition unless you're famous, really famous, because even semi-famous people have to go on auditions and you still see each other in the room. But to play a a sort of tiny role of a secretary, you would usually go to a place and you would have had 50 people in the lobby, okay? (laughs) This was my first movie, and I just walked in, and I'm the only one there. And Jim Henson himself brings me into his office. I mean, none of that in real life would happen, okay? So, but see, I was so stupid and naive, I didn't know any of that. I'm like, wow, I guess nobody else is going up for this movie, you know? (laughs) And so I got the part, and I did that, and still had not been talked to by him about choreography. But he knew that I had been teaching for years. I had been on faculties of a lot of uh, theater universities. I, I taught at, uh, I was assistant professor at Brandeis in the theater arts and uh, Tisch School of the Arts, just a lot of places. I was a teacher, and he knew I did movement. He knew I had I directed. I did choreography. So I, I think he, the fellow who did, oh, I'm blanking on that. What's the first movie he did before Labyrinth that was so wonderful? Um, Dark Crystal? Kind of the wise men. Dark Crystal, yeah. yeah. 
that the fellow who was the choreographer movement, it, more like movement specialist in that one, knew of my work. And so he told Jim about me because he was not going to be able to do this next a couple of things. And so that's how Jim found out about me. And Jim, I guess, was looking for someone who could work with some of his puppeteers on acting. Not all of them, because not all of them needed any work on it, but there were some who might have wanted to do it. And then to work with uh, little people, some of the uh, dwarfs who have movement problems because they have, uh, sometimes they have uh, very tough joints and, you know, or, or how could they wear a head thing and not hurt their neck? You have to build up their muscles and how do you articulate something if you're wearing the Mad Hatter's face is above your head and you have like a hat on but but there's all these puppeteers working the eyes and the mouth it's quite an uh, an effort to coordinate all that so anyway that's he wanted me to do several things i was supposed to play jennifer connelly's mother in labyrinth that's why i took the job i wanted to get a role in that in a big film and then british equity would not let me they would let me be director of choreography and puppet movement. That was my title. So it was a year of my life, just about. And uh, I had worked on another film, and the British Equity wouldn't give me permission for that either. So I just got a big special thanks. But I did all of the all of the choreography, which was um, a film called Dream Child with uh, Ian Holm. Gavin Miller was the director. He was wonderful, and um, that was. That was where I first dealt with animatronics, and it was what Creature Shop is what Jim had in London, and it was state of the art for what was happening with puppets and animatronics, and uh, I had never done it in my life. I had done minor puppets just in different theater things, but I had never um, actually worked something that intricate, so I was coordinating. The voice actors were there, I had real actors play, you know, like the girl playing Alice would be there, and then I'd have the Mad Hatter who took seven puppeteers working his face, and then I had a dwarf who was wearing the outfit, and then you'd have all the other characters. So, it, And, you know, it, it was like one thing would break down. It was a very tough shoot, but made a beautiful film, and then that was my test. I didn't realize it, but that was the test he wanted me to do, Labyrinth. And the only reason I said yes to Labyrinth was I thought I was going to act in the part, and then when I got there, uh, British Equity would not allow me. We always allow British actors to do stuff here, but they do not let us do stuff there. So that was heartbreaking, but I did do all of the choreography in the ballroom scene. Was, You know, that was, I walked into the set and I, I ran, you know, we did all the rehearsals. I cast those dancers and I worked with Ludo. I worked with Hobbit, the uh, um, Hoggle, sorry, not Hobbit, Hoggle. And a lot of the little people, all the goblins, I choreographed them. A lot of, you know, different puppet things. And that's that was that. So yeah, that was. That's uh, But that's I, the way Jim works. I think he sort of tries you out on different things, and you're not sure where it's leading to. And uh, and then that was it. And at the end of it, Frank Oz asked me if I uh, if I would direct uh, choreography for the Little Shop of Horrors to do the plant. And I just wanted to go back and do acting. So um, I loved Frank, but I just it wasn't it wasn't the metier I wanted to get into. I wanted to go back and do acting myself. So that's what I did. Right. Hmm. Incredible, though. The yeah. Jim. Wow. This is a stupid question, but <laughs> you just humor me. He had to have been such an awesome guy. Well, he obviously created all these characters that were pretty much life changing. Just like, you know, right. what's funny is that it's like Gene Roddenberry. The two of them were visionaries is what they were, you mm -hmm. know. 
that look at the legacies both of them have left. Exactly. Incredible. What an incredible uh, story. Now, I know you didn't get exactly what you wanted, but all the same, I mean, yeah. damn, to have worked with those projects, awesome. Well, I got to meet and work with David Bowie. I forgot to mention there him. Yes, go. that was fun. <laughs> I, I got to waltz with David Bowie, showing him Jennifer's move. You know, yeah, that was that was definitely a high point. <laughs> I would just, so he was so extraordinary. Oh my God, I didn't know that. No, I'm reeling. Oh man, okay, I I, I got to move on. I'm sorry, but. Uh, oh, he's thank fantastic you for... in the film. He's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, you just put stars right. in my eyes. You put my stars <laughs> in my eyes. Okay, we got to touch on uh, your new podcast. Uh, Nacelle Company, who now has their uh, new Nacelle Cast Studios, uh, have some new shows coming out, Gates' show being one of them, called Who Do You Think You Are? Can you set this show up for us? Well, you know, I'm still figuring it out. They came to me, they asked me, and... And I, I actually said, no, I don't think so. And then they came back. I said, no, I don't think so. And then they came back a third time. And I went, okay, the last, the only other thing in my life that I turned down twice, and then they came back a third time and I took it, was Star Trek. So maybe I should think about this again. <laughs> it's not very often that you seem wanted by anyone in this business. And so... Um, so it was very funny because I kept going, why me of all the people? And, you know, and they were going, yeah, but you could talk to your friends. And I said, yeah, well, that would be fun. So that's what happened. I mean, uh, it, it kind of happened that way. And I'm going to be talking to my friends. And um, I'm figuring it all out. The working title is still Who Do You Think You Are? It might change. But um, I am starting to do conversations with my friends and uh, trying to find things that, that uh, haven't been talked through on every convention circuit and stuff it's not going to really be on star trek it's going to be other things and hopefully fun and funny and and we'll see you know i i figured why not if if it doesn't work it doesn't work and if it works great so that's what i'm going to be doing and i had done a, a voiceover for something for nacelle company and I, I, they are the nicest company. So yeah, I, have to, I have to say I feel kind of blessed that it's come my way because I've sort of immersed myself in, in you know, these are people I know, but I'm still doing research on, on other things and things they've done in their past and different things just like you guys might do sometime. Sure. And, and that's really fun. It's gotten um, – so I'm, I'm, I'm very interested and excited to see where it leads. Plus, I almost was going to give the quote. They asked me for a quote, and uh, – you know, I was with some friends of mine who have this fantastic little dog called Luna. And I had said, no, because I had been telling them, no, I'm not going to do this podcast. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I went back and forth. And finally, the dog had been afraid to take a biscuit from me all night. Okay? So I got a biscuit in both hands, and I said, okay, Luna, it's up to you. The right hand, I'm not going to do it. The left hand, I'm going to do it. What do you think? And she went back and forth. I mean, it was like a dare. <laughs> and she finally took the left biscuit, and I went, okay, I'm doing the podcast. I mean, basically a dog dared me to do it, and so I'm doing it. And that's a dare you can't turn down. Right, yep. absolutely. Exactly. How can you possibly turn that down? You can't. You can't. That's fate. That's fate going right there. So you have the dog to thank. <laughs> exactly. So I, I know you're saying this is in the, still in you know development and everything, but uh, like, have you guys slated uh, like a release date not only for the show, but like uh, you know when the network's supposed to premiere any of that kind of stuff? 
Um, we haven't yet, no. Mm. I mean, I've already done one conversation with someone. I have another one coming up next week. No, we haven't because, you know, again, I, it kind of came out of the blue, and, and uh, it's not like I'd been like you guys probably going, yeah, let's do a podcast, let's try that. You know, it didn't come sort of evolutionary uh, in an evolutionary way through my own uh, feeble brain. And so I'm sort of like it, it's taking me time to figure out, well, what would I really like to do and talk about it? So I'm having fun, and uh, but obviously I can't wait too long on it. So we'll see what happens. You might be able to wait uh, as long as you want, because uh, last time we talked with Brian, he's just beside himself that uh, <laughs> you're going to be doing a show on their network. He's he's such a fan. He is the nicest man. Okay, he really I mean, is. I, I, he really is. He's just he is funny. He's nice. I re- he's just great. I feel like you know. <laughs> I'm so lucky that uh, he wanted me to to, uh, to do something with Nacelle because uh, he's absolutely charming. So I hope I hope he's not disappointed. <laughs> I'm sure that no. I'm going to need some pointers from you guys later on, but uh, <laughs> you... it takes time. Didn't it take time for you guys to sort of hone it and figure out? Oh my out God! Yeah, how it took to us about it? a year to decide what how yeah. we were what our actual work was going to be like our format yeah. like for our format to find itself but yeah i mean yeah i'd be happy you know any of us would be if you uh, ever wanted any so, help so or how advice. do you so, yeah so so your format you you take time like figuring out we that we we do an icebreaker first and then we ask this kind of question and then that one and then we get to this i mean yeah. is that what you sort of do or i don't know what what are your other subjects usually if it's not someone from star trek or is it someone from star trek usually uh, no i uh you might be the I think she's the first, she's first, first star trek yep. uh, doug jones was on but he's in discovery now i think but uh yeah first oh, he's from wonderful. generation yeah, he's so yeah. wonderful oh he definitely so what definitely. so what do you usually do i'm curious i'm gonna i'm gonna listen what do you <laughs> usually just, do just have fun. Try to jog people's memory of things they may have forgotten from years ago. Uh, I don't know. We like to talk. We go after nostalgia pretty hard. We'll yeah. Like a retro topic where we, uh, if the guest is uh, willing, we'll, you know, kind of get their take on stuff mm-hmm. that we had growing up. Um, you know, we talk to celebrities, comic book artists, uh, a lot of indie creators, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Just hear talk to amazing people and hear their awesome stories and and just trying to trying being the key word trying to be funny while we do <laughs> yeah. it but uh and just yeah. being as entertaining as possible i think no i mean there's some extraordinary podcasts out there and there's some that are i mean i listen to some of the investigative reporter things like on the new york times and stuff and i'm like holy cow how can you do, you know i mean <laughs> they've got a whole team and research teams and it's amazing what they do and then then i listen to ones that are just conversations and they're fantastic too so i think mm-hmm. it's it's wonderful that there's such a wide range of stuff so yeah, there's just um, there are no rules. You can do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, I mean, anything. mind you. All you right. Have to, well, I'm going to go with that, Jeremy. I'm going <laughs> to say Jeremy said there's no rules, and and it will be your fault if it fails. Basically, is that well, is that, that all right? doesn't make me a very good podcasting it's teacher. All his fault that the let me podcast re- bomb. Let me reneg that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that to Brian. Well, Jeremy, you know, he's only at work on there. <laughs> Don't throw me under the table, please. I enjoy his toy collection too much. He'll never want to talk to us again. He won't share his goodies with me anymore if you do that. <laughs> well, uh, one more question here before we let you go. Uh, when we have someone as talented as, your, as yourself on, I like to uh, ask anybody who's looking to get into the entertainment business, what kind of advice would you give to them? 
you have to really want to do it because it's an exploration that you want to do, not for financial or you know returns or for fame, because that's a really tricky one. I think you have to do it because you find it exciting and you like the exploration. Like if it's going to be acting, you have to be willing to confront things about yourself and really get into who you are and then get the technique and, and work. Some people can do it with just the right director, but most people have to work their asses off. With, and it's like a musician or anyone else. I mean, if you put the time in, usually there'll be something really interesting that comes out of it. But I think I, I always caution people, don't do it because you want to get famous, because that's not a good reason. You're probably going to be let down if you do it for that reason. Yeah, one in a million will get famous, but it's even once you get famous to sustain it. It's, it's got to be something you love doing, and there's so many things you can explore, like the way you guys went into a podcast. Like, that's interesting. Let's try it. I think that's what I recommend, and, and collaboration is fantastic. Uh, I look at uh, my son, who's a composer and a musician, and it's brutal now for orchestras. He's a violinist and a composer. And, you know, so many orchestras, including the New York orchestras, are are furloughed, you know. So if you only are into music for the money, and that's not going to do it. You're into music because you love music. And right. it's hard because you also need to uh, have a job to sustain yourself. But um, I think you got to keep, keep making music, you know. Right. It's like... Uh, you have to keep growing, and that's really what it's about, I think, any going into the arts or going into any job. It's about self-discovery on a certain level and discovering what's around you, and that's a process that I find endlessly exciting. That's so cool. And depressing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> endlessly depressing, but endlessly exciting. <laughs> and great advice right there. Mm-hmm. Gates, this has been uh, so much fun. I want to thank you so much for taking time to sit and indulge us this yes, evening. It's yes. been an absolute pleasure. Oh, well, my pleasure too, Jeremy. And really, uh, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you're in Columbus. It's a great city. It, it really is a great yeah. city. You have one of the best antique stores for modernist furniture there. I, I always wander through it anytime I'm around. <laughs> Take care, all of you. And, and happy Halloween. That was one of my favorite memories in Ohio, and nobody can do it because of COVID. But <laughs> happy Halloween. Thank you so much, Good. Gates. Okay. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, everyone, and there it was, our interview with Gates McFadden. My God, again, that was such a great time, and I want to thank her so much for being on this show. And, you know, when the podcast does drop, when there are dates released and stuff, we will keep you guys in on the know because I'm just as excited. I cannot wait to hear this show. I mean... Get her back on and talk about her podcast. You can see right here she was a conversationalist, so she's a good person to be behind the mic for a podcast, I would oh, yeah, say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right? It makes sense. It, it's going to work. She's so. so lovely. I mean... Absolutely. As lovely as I ever hoped she would be. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So, uh, very good episode, boys. Uh, once again, Gates, thank you so much for being here. And Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media. Buy some merch, become a patron. If you have any questions that we can't answer, send us an email on our contacts page. <laughs> You've got that down. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Ken underscore air. And just go to the website, click on the Patreon link, click on the merch link. We need to start doing uh, T-shirt commercials like we used to do back in the day. Those oh, yeah, were fun. Yeah, yeah. Those were fun. So uh, well, maybe we'll start doing that next week. Remind me. Okay. 
But uh, what am I forgetting, gentlemen? Anything? So if you're sitting home bored on a Tuesday night around 9 p.m., why don't you hop on and listen to Jack and I make a total idiot of ourselves uh, on our uh, game show where we play Jackbox and, uh, yeah, win some prizes, hang out. Our Facebook page, YouTube page, or Twitch page you can find us uh Tons of you places can't find to watch. Us, then I don't know what you're doing. You're not. That you're not the trying. Internet. You're the not stream trying. probably crashed. You're not on the internet. That's you don't sure. internet at all. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you don't internet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think that's going to do it for this episode. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I am Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And I'm Ryan Donahue. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and always remember to be excellent to each other. puppy oh no don't run it'll only make things worse what remember you never want to approach a stray dog especially one that's foaming at the mouth get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up and knowing is half the battle this has been a canned air production Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.